Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus through these messages from our weekend worship gatherings. Well, good morning, church. How you feeling? You ready? Ready for what? You ready for Christmas? It doesn't really matter because it's coming either way. Come on, somebody. Like, that's just the way it is. But <sighs> we... We're going to make it. Come on, somebody. We're going to make it. It's hard to believe that, that we're here. And I keep coming back as we are in December and we're just a few weeks away from exiting this adventure of 2020 that we made it, man. And as is appropriate during this season, I've been leaning back into the Christmas narrative and there is a phrase that just keeps jumping off the pages that is all too familiar because it is the very phrase that God was putting into my heart as we were here last year. As 2019 was giving way to 2020 and we were praying for how we were gonna start this year, I heard from God as clearly as I ever have. I've never heard the audible voice of God, and I've said this before, I've never heard the audible voice of God, but when I'm due, I'm expecting James Earl Jones or Morgan Freeman. It'll sound like one of those two, come on. I've never heard it, but when, when we were moving out of 2019 and into 2020, and we were seeking God for what he wanted us to lean into as we began this year, it seemed like everybody was talking about vision because it just made sense. It was just the natural thing to think about. 2020 and vision, they just go hand in hand together, right? But I had a singular word that was centered in my heart that I felt like we were supposed to camp out around. And when we started this year, we did something we had never done before. We started a series that didn't have an ending. I felt like God was calling us to center around this world and, word and just to stay there until he said to move on. And that word is connected to a phrase that you see, again, littered all through the Christmas narrative. At every turn, you see it. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. says, but after he, Joseph, had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. That when the angel showed up and told Joseph that his life was not gonna be exactly how he planned. At this point, even though he was the groom and not the bride, I'm sure he had an image of what it was gonna look like as he was betrothed to be married to Mary. He had it planned out. He had a career as a carpenter. He had it all in his mind. And then all of a sudden, an angel comes to him and says, hey, by the way, bro, your wife's pregnant for, by God. Okay. That scared me too. Fear. When life doesn't go the way you planned it, it's scary, isn't it? That's why we're scared all the time. Because say amen if you know life never goes exactly how you planned it. 
Again, Luke chapter one, verse 30. But the angel said to her, Mary, do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. Now when Gabriel shows up and lets Mary know that God had chosen her to do the very thing that the world had been waiting on, to bring the Messiah into the world, whether it be because she didn't know how she was somehow gonna be able to convince her fiance and her family that what was growing inside of her was actually from God, or whether it just was the daunting task of having been chosen to raise the Son of God in this world. Fear. Do not be afraid. Luke chapter two, verse 10. But the angel said to them, the shepherds, do not be afraid, because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people, that when these simple shepherds were sitting in their fields, just having a normal night, watching over the sheep, thinking things were as they had always been, and the sky opened, and the voice of an angel came with an announcement. When you see something you've never seen before, fear. And I just find it interesting that littered all throughout the Christmas narrative is the very concept that God put on our hearts as we began this year. You might not remember this, or maybe you're new to our church and you weren't even here then, but when we came into 2020 and the very first Sunday we gathered together, the very first passage of scripture I read from this platform in this year was Psalm 56. The very first piece of scripture that I read from this platform in 2020 was this verse. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? That's the very first passage of scripture that I read from this platform as we began this year. And as we move toward this final time together in 2020, I felt like we needed to, be, to finish where we started. Because the word that God gave me in 2020 was not vision. It was courageous. You remember? Courageous. This word that means undeterred by danger or pain. Don't tell me God doesn't exist. When he speaks a word into your pastor that we would need more than ever this year. Come on. And I remember thinking, God, why, why this word? It seems like every other church leader around us is talking about vision, and you're telling me to talk to our church about the need for courage. That we centered ourselves around this concept that fear is a natural part of life. That, did you notice that verse in film? It said, when I am afraid. And we unpacked that as we began this year, that people of faith aren't immune to seasons of fear. Life throws things at us that are scary. If you didn't know that before 2020, boy, you know it now. That people of faith aren't without seasons of fear, but people of faith 
Because we know something the rest of the world doesn't know. That we can look fear in the faith and say, bring it. Because we have something that can give us the courage to not let that fear keep us from moving forward. Courageous. And we, and we walk through the story of Joshua, who is like the poster child of courage. Joshua chapter one, verse nine. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is Emmanuel. He is with you wherever you go. And I'll be honest, I, I knew God was calling us to center around that world, around that word, but in January and February and half of March, I had no idea why. And then I remember March 10th. It was a Tuesday. It was the second Tuesday of the month. The reason why I know that is because every second Tuesday of the month, our church staff has a staff meeting. And we had our normal staff meeting, and as it wrapped up, somebody brought up something called a coronavirus. I had never heard of it by that point. It was, it was in the news, but I don't know about you, but for the last couple of years, the news ain't something I really care to watch. And so there was this conversation, and I remember our, our executive pastor slash prophet, Lyle Denton, said, dude, this, is, this could be really bad. And I said, this will not affect us a bit. So I got the courageous thing right, but this I didn't. Then by March the 13th, that was a Friday. Of course it would be Friday the 13th. We made the decision that we had to stop meeting as a church for a while physically. And for the next 12 weeks, it was just a few of us in here trying to find a way to put together something that would breathe hope into the lives of the people in our church and in this community. And God showed up. And here we are 41 weeks into this thing. And it's been hard. See, when I preached that message, I don't know what we thought we would do with the principle that we were leaning into. I think we all kind of, we, we rallied around it. As much as any series that we ever had, we rallied around this thing called courage. And, and maybe you were here for that series and you thought this would be the year that you had the courage to stick to that diet and lose those 50 pounds. That this would be the year you had the courage to take the risk and start a new business. That this would be the year that you had the courage to put yourself out there and give relationships a chance again, that this would be the year that you would attempt to do something great. Because when we think about courage, that's what we think, isn't it? We walked through Joshua, and Joshua had the courage to do these great things and advance the kingdom of God and move it forward into the promised land. He had the courage to do something Moses never could. We leaned into Nehemiah where he had the courage to take on a project that nobody else was willing to take on as the wall around 
Israel lay in ruins. And with courage, he did something great. We lean into all these biblical characters. And maybe we thought this would be the year we would have the courage to attempt and accomplish something great. And then, it seems like every plan that we had for this year fell apart. And what I've learned in this season is there's a specific place that we need courage more often than any other. I don't know about you, but I've had moments in this year and everything in me wanted to quit. Can anybody relate? Come on. Just wanted to quit. (laughs) Because that seemed like the easiest thing to do, just to give up. Because there was so much uncertainty and there was things that didn't make sense and it seemed like no matter what decision that you made, you were gonna make somebody mad. And you just wanted to quit. And the one thing that made all the difference in this year, look at me, is we didn't quit. We didn't quit. And see, sometimes the courage that you need is not the courage to attempt something great, not the courage to conquer some new project, not the courage to conquer some new goal, but the courage to conquer the quit. The courage to conquer the quit that when you wake up in the morning and you don't even wanna get out of bed, you don't wanna step foot into that office because you know that there's gonna be 50 things waiting on you that you don't wanna have to deal with. That if you have to hear one more criticism, one more complaint, one more gripe, you're gonna kill somebody. So it may be safer for other people if you quit. But the one thing See, when we, when we centered around this principle, we all centered around the same principle, but we didn't know we'd have to all apply it in the same way. And the one thing that we've had to have the courage to do this year is conquer the quit. That the most courageous thing you did this year was not attempt something great, but just keep going. Just keep getting up. Just keep going to work. Just keep loving. Just keep being patient. That's, and it may not feel like we started this year and maybe you've gotten to whatever the date is, December 20th, I think. Because sometimes you just want to quit counting. That you made it and you didn't quit. And you may not think that's a small thing or you may think that is a small thing. But can I tell you that it's not? that the courage that we were building throughout January and February and March and into April would be the courage not to conquer your New Year's resolutions, not to conquer all the goals that you had for 2020, but to conquer the quit. 
I've been waging a war on worry my entire life. And there have been moments throughout this year that everything in me wanted to quit. And I'm grateful for the courage of the people around me who didn't and motivated me to keep moving forward. Because see, when, when you get in a season of difficulty, the enemy wants to convince you to quit. Because if he can get you to quit, he wins. He wins. If he can get us to quit, see, now that God's got you, the enemy wants to make sure God doesn't use you to get anybody else. And if he can get you to quit, he wins. And that's why all throughout scripture, we're challenged not to quit. First Peter chapter five, verse nine, resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. How true has that verse been this year? It says that you, keep it on the screen for just a second. That the believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of sufferings that we're all experiencing. Maybe it's got different symptoms, but it's from the same source. He says, don't quit, stand firm. Galatians chapter six, verse nine. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. The one thing that you cannot do, look at me, is give up. And I know we're here in 2020 and it's gonna be coming to an end and when the ball drops and it turns to 2021, a lot of the same things that we're still struggling with are still gonna be present. And when you get to that place where that season is prolonged, you wanna quit. And my prayer is that we finish where we started with enough courage to conquer the quit. The courage to conquer the quit that's gonna rise up in you on January 2nd when things aren't as different as you hoped they would be. The courage to conquer the quit in you when something happens new in 2021 that's painful and frustrating. That when life keeps throwing seasons at you that you don't want and don't prefer, that there is a courage that is built in you to conquer the quit that you're feeling in the moment. And so I know the question is, how do I do that? Because I think there's some people in the sound of my voice, whether you're in this room or you're watching online, you did quit. Or you want to really bad. Another month of this and you're done. Another six months of this and you don't feel like if you'll recover. And the question is, all right, how do we build the courage to conquer the quit? And I've discovered that the courage that you feel is dependent on the place that you focus. The courage that you feel is determined by the place in which you focus. And if you fixate on what's happening to you, which is so easy to do, isn't it? If this becomes your focus, what's happening to you, then it'll drain you of courage and you will quit. Because what's happening to you and what's happening around you 
is hard. There's three things that are happening around me and to me this year that when I start to fixate on those things, I feel the courage, almost physically feel the courage draining from my spirit. Number one, there's problems I can't solve. Can you feel me? There are problems right now that I can't solve. Not only problems of my own, but I've sat in front of people and it stinks to be a pastor sometimes. When you sit across from somebody who's going through something and you got nothing, I'll pray for you. And I know that doesn't help always. And I'm not downplaying the power of prayer, but when you sit across from a family that's burying their 16-day-old baby, problems you can't solve. There's people I can't control. There's people I can't control. And that's frustrating because of all the things I want to control is people. Because if we're honest, people are the greatest source of our problems most days. You can say amen, it's okay. You can say, don't say amen if it's the person sitting next to you. You might want to wait. There's people I can't control. I can't control their attitude. I can't control what they're doing and what they're not. I can't control their, I can't control them. And maybe the hardest one for me is there's expectations I can't meet. That what people want from me in this season is more than I have to give. And when I start fixating on what's happening to me and I get consumed with the reality there's problems I can't solve and people I can't control and expectations I can't meet, then it drains me of courage. And eventually, if this is where you stay, look at me, you will quit. You'll quit. Because the battlefield of fear is in the mind. The war that we're waging against those things that seek to overwhelm us with fear is in your mind. And this is all throughout scripture. Look at Philippians chapter four. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul's telling us, if you fixate on what's happening to you, if you get consumed with all the negative things that are so prevalent, that are so easy to find, that are at your fingertips with one press of an app on a phone, it will drain you of courage. Fear will set in and you will quit. But if you will fix your mind on the pure, on the good, on the noble, on these things, then you will make it. And so now you're saying, Matt, what are they? Because it seems like right now I can't find those pure, noble, praiseworthy, excellent things. Can I just tell you what I've been trying to do? Instead of fixating on what's happening to me, I'm trying to focus on what happened for me. 
And there's no greater time than Christmas than to lean in to what's happened for you. That in this season, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, there's no greater moment to be reminded of what God has done for you. And when you constantly live with an awareness of what the God of the universe has done for you, it causes courage to well up in your spirit. And it causes you to live with a sense of purpose and pride and power unlike anything else. So as we close out this year, I wanna shift your focus so that you can build courage, so that you can win the battle being waged in your mind against the fear that wants to drain you and cause you to quit. So be reminded that at Christmas, what God has done for you is something greater than you can imagine. It can get lost in the craziness of this world, but can I remind you that a loving God entered a messy world. A loving God entered a messy world. That when Jesus dove out of heaven and into a manger, the world was as messy as it had ever been. He entered that space and he was driven by love. That he left the comfort of heaven and entered the chaos of this world because he wanted nothing more than a love relationship with you. And the only way to have that was he had to step into this planet. What happened for you is a holy God lived a sinless life. That Jesus didn't stay a baby in a manger. He became a man who walked this earth. That our God felt dirt between his toes. He experienced loss. Because at some point, it's pretty clear that Joseph, his earthly father, died. He had to grieve the loss of loved ones. He had to experience the betrayal of friends. He had to go through all the things that we went through and yet he remained pure and perfect. What happened for you is an innocent God embraced a painful cross. That this Jesus, God in flesh, allowed himself to go through the worst form of capital punishment man could ever muster and he stretched out his body and gave up his life on a cross because a sacrifice had to be made. And in that moment, sin was covered and we were forgiven. What happened for you is a powerful God conquered a borrowed tomb. That this God could not be held down by death. And even though he spent a few days in that tomb, he rose victorious, defeating the very thing that sin ushered in. And here's the best part. A trustworthy God is preparing a permanent home. That before Jesus left, he made us a promise that if he left, he would go and prepare a place. 
a, a place absent of disease and sickness and heartache and worry and fear and pain and loss. And that place would be a place that we would get to spend for all eternity when we choose him. And not a single tear will be shed there. Not a single death will happen there because it will be conquered once and for all. First John chapter four. This is how God showed his love for, among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Galatians 4, but when the time set had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Colossians chapter 2, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and Christ, you have been brought into fullness. That when you make the decision to turn your eyes from the things that are happening to you and fix your gaze on what happened for you, then faith becomes greater than fear. Courage wells up in your spirit, and you can endure anything this life throws at you. That courageous is something not dependent on circumstance. It's something needed in every circumstance. And it's made possible because of what God has done for you. So if you're here and you're barely hanging on and it's taken everything in you not to quit, welcome to the club. My prayer is that today and this week, as you celebrate the birth of Jesus, that you lean in to all that it means for you and that courage wells up in your spirit and something begins to shift in your heart. Courageous, undeterred by danger or pain. Not immune from danger or pain. Not immune from moments that seek to overwhelm you and scare you to death. No, being faithful does not give us immunity from the fearful. It gives us the courage to endure it. And in a season where it's so easy to get overwhelmed by what's happening to you today, I invite you to turn your gaze to what happened for you. That when the world was as weary as it had ever been, God broke his silence and he said, the one that you've been waiting for is on the way. And he will be worth the wait. The angel said, do not be afraid because I bring you good news. That the gospel has always been the antidote to fear. The good news is you are not alone. He is Emmanuel. He is God with you at all times, in all spaces. And so today I invite you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And turn your gaze. Divert your eyes. Disconnect yourself 
from what's happening to you around you and soak in what's happening to you. A loving God entered a messy world. A holy God lived a sinless life. An innocent God embraced a painful cross and a powerful God conquered a borrowed tomb. And a trustworthy God is preparing a permanent home to lean in and see him for who he is. And when you do, worship will well up in your spirit. Worship that will become your weapon in this war on fear and worry and anxiety. God, thank you that we have reason to celebrate that what you did for us is greater than what's happening around us. And so God, we lean into your truth, the truth that has the power to shift the season. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope that what you experience today inspires you to live and love like Jesus. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage and grow deeper in your faith by downloading the Vintage Church app. Through this app, you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, additional podcasts, and opportunities to connect in community. You can easily download our app by going to app.vintagechurch.net. We hope you join us again soon.